Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say Go Steelers! Go Steelers! This is the winter of Steeler Nation's discontent. It comes early, on the heels of the autumnal equinox. It comes in the form of a veritable tsunami, unleashed like dogs from hell, inexorably towards the formerly vaunted stag that once was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, October 1st, 2018, episode 58. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost, Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. We are here to revisit the Steelers' 26-14 loss to our mortal enemies, the Baltimore Ravens, and to explore whether the majesty of this franchise is fading like the light in the eyes of a loved one who lived a glorious life. Hold on. Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. What's up? We got breaking news. Hold on. I got Kikabwala in my ear. Hold on one sec. I'm sorry. Yep. Is that true? Ladies and gentlemen, I can't can't believe I'm saying this. It sounds like week seven is going to be a big weekend for Steeler Nation because faded from glory, Steelers golden boy love child Le'Veon Bell is returning to the Pittsburgh Steelers, ending his holdout and playing out the rest of the season to save the Pittsburgh football Steelers. Wow. That That's is true. a blockbuster. You know what? That obviates our entire show. Yeah. <laughs> Everything we were going to say before is now obsolete. Hey, it feels exciting to have some breaking news. Granted, you guys are listening to this tomorrow or today if you want to just, you know, screw yourself in the head there. I'm trying to trying to keep this PC. But uh, <laughs> that really just came out right before we started this podcast. I had to double, triple, quadruple check, but it looks like this is a true report. Le'Veon is going to come and play out the rest of the season, which is, is shocking on a lot of levels, especially with his comments on the Earl Thomas uh, social media posts when he saw Earl Thomas, a guy who ended his holdout without getting extra money, ended his holdout to be a good teammate, quote unquote, to the Seattle Seahawks so he wouldn't take crap because he loves football, this or that. And now he tore up his leg, and he's going to miss the rest of the season. And Le'Veon so Bell Levy, commented. Right, so Le'Veon's such a contrarian. He, he goes against the, the grain here. You, you say, you now have evidence of why you shouldn't come back early for a few measly million dollars, a few measly $885,000. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, well, not, that, not that Le'Veon's going to break his leg in one of these games necessarily. I mean, the chances are pretty low, but man, that is a visceral example right in front of his eyes in the next day, or maybe, what was it, late last night? When did we get this news? Uh, well, when people are listening to this, it was late last, it was yesterday evening. It was Monday evening. So, no, it's crazy. I, I honestly, I don't get it. I don't understand the decision. I mean, what I've been saying to people all year, people keep coming up to me in the gym or wherever, some of my friends texting me, calling me, hey, should I trade Le'Veon in fantasy? And I'm telling them all, like, yeah, do it. There's just, there's really no benefit for, for him coming back. I mean, if the goal is to avoid injury and he's not, uh, you know, he doesn't need to accrue the extra season with the Steelers, he's going to hit true free agency next year because the Steelers aren't going to want to deal with franchise tagging him again. He's going to get that long-term guaranteed contract from somebody who's going to give it to him. And you could say maybe sitting out an entire season would make some GMs look unfavorably upon him. Well, whatever, dude. There's a couple of the bottom feeders. They're going to pay Le'Veon Bell whether he sat out a year or not. So I don't understand why you jeopardize that uh, for an extra $7 million, which is, I guess, what he's going to make by playing the rest of the season. 
All right. I think that's good news all around. I think this is going to compel or maybe impel James Conner to double down. Not that he's not trying, but it will be interesting to see the results of this news. But let's move on to why we are here. We just had a ball game. And ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing more miserable than watching a game like that again because it's our job to do so. So from a professional standpoint, it might have been painful, but we did watch the game again today to bring this analysis to you. So, Nick, let's move right into the overview. Yeah, so it's another demoralizing loss. And, you know, Steelers Nation is rightfully freaked out. This could legitimately spell doom for the end of the season because you kind of see which not, – not only from the standpoint that, you know, this team is – is giving us a sample size to look at and we know there are some enormous holes and and wonder how they can be filled so from that standpoint you're worried about how much better can a team you know get over the course of the season but also now you're really behind the the eight ball going oh one and one in the division and you've got a hard schedule coming up and it's just such a humiliating loss in prime time it looks terrible and, and man it really was but uh i have spent every hour since that game just pouring over and analyzing it so i could get to a point where we wouldn't depress you guys and honestly there's some depressing things about it but there are some positives that we can look at you know and we'll get more into those well let's let's face it i mean it's in in the frustration you want to point fingers and it's easy to point fingers at the defense as usual because they were their normal swiss cheese poor selves but yeah 14 points is anemic on a team that is designed to score points yeah, so everybody wants to pin this loss on the offense, and, and, and they're not wrong to do so. They, want, they say, hey, the defense did its job. It held Baltimore to 26 points. But, man, our job is to analyze the game, and we pride ourselves in, on being able to tell you guys what actually happened rather than people who just look at a box score or even, again, somebody coming up to the gym, me into the gym. Ah, somebody coming up to me at the gym today. Sorry. Uh, if you guys can tell, I go, I go to the gym an awful lot. But uh, and and saying like, oh, the Steelers only lost by twelve. I'm like, no, they didn't. They lost by thirty. Joe Flacco missed some wide open long touchdowns that should have been had. The Steelers recovered a fumble on the goal line, and in one stance, you know, that was a good, you know, it was a good play, and you forced the fumble. But it also is a is a bit of a lucky play. Luck goes into fumbles and stuff like that. I know it happened, but. When we're trying to tell you what actually happened, we have to look at the process, not the product, but the process. How did they get there? And it was an uneven process from the defense who, like you said, Swiss cheese. I mean, it was a thorough fa- uh, failure on both sides of the ball and also on 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 the sideline with this coaching staff. And, uh, you know, it's just repeats over and over again of, of what the offense, defense, special teams and coaches are doing. So if you don't look up time of possession, you're missing the story. Time of possession, 35 minutes for, for the Ravens. Uh, our defense didn't come off the field, which probably added to their, uh, their blows, but it also kept our offense up the field, like the Tampa Bay game where we essentially got three possessions in that game. This game, right. we held the ball. Um, sorry, I don't have the minutes, but we didn't have the ball in the second half. Yeah, that definitely played a factor. And, and, and listen, have I spent a lot of the day tweeting anger about the coaching staff and deflecting the, the, the blame from Ben? Yes. Is that deserved? Yes, it is, damn it. But did Ben have a bad game? I mean, absolutely, man. He fell apart in the second half. He had a decent first half, still a couple key misses, and he did have a drop or two in there from receivers off of some nice plays. But he just fell off a cliff in the second half. And, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, but this team – is too reliant on Ben going supernova and just winging it. And even he admitted that himself in a post-game interview, saying that maybe this backyard Sandlot style has kind of caught up to us. And it was my opinion that you can get away with just putting Ben back there in shotgun, three, four wide, running hook patterns, running little digs and crossers. You can just you can do that and throw it 55 times in a game against the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. But when you play a top-flight defense like the Ravens, you need a little bit more strategy. And that's on Feetner, but it's also on Ben, like we said, man. When he gets hot, he's the hottest there is, baby. He's, he, he's so hot he could take a piece of crap, wrap it in tinfoil, put it on some fish hooks, and sell it as earrings to Queen Elizabeth. But when he's cold, 
damn, I don't know if I've ever seen him go as cold as he did last night. And he threw an interception at the end of the game, and it sincerely looked like he just had no will to play there. So yet another time this offense took a super productive second quarter where it looked like they were rounding into form and just fell off a cliff into the second half. Queen Elizabeth? Queen Elizabeth. That's good. Well, look, yeah. again, I, I look at time of possession. We had the ball eight minutes in the second half, and uh, I'm not making excuses for the offense. It's hard to get going. We couldn't get going on the ground. We didn't have the ball a lot, and Ben was inaccurate. I mean, once again, it's amazing uh, that A.B. is not even second fiddle. He's third fiddle at this point behind um, Juju and Vance McDonald. Yeah, and Switzer's got more catches. And Switzer. Like they seem to be in AB, love with Switzer, true. A.B. leads the league and targets. I mean, this is so weird. Last year when you saw Ben not able to hook up with Martavis, I understood it a little bit more. Martavis is not a very good receiver, man. I mean, he had some big, some huge plays that he would make, but from a consistency standpoint, it's not very good. He was out of football for a while, saw him underrun some balls. It is what it is. But Ben, on the second play of the game, missed a wide-open A.B., you know, 10 feet in front of him for a first down. He's constantly – there's three or four miscommunications between them during the game, and – Every game. And like I said, that's what's so disappointing about this team right now and about that loss was just a culmination of everything that's been going wrong in the prior three games went wrong here. Ben losing his rhythm. Ben not being able to hit A-B. Randy Feetner using not an ounce of creativity on the offensive side. The defense not being able to cover anybody long, not being able to cover anybody in the middle of the field, and the constantly getting – Penalties, yet another 12 men on the field penalty on third down. The Steelers have – if you watch them, you guys, you need to look at the team, especially on third downs when the Steelers coordinators try and get cute and sub guys in and out. The Steelers are never even set. The linebackers are constantly pointing in different directions and shifting guys around, and you can tell people don't know where to go. And this is the fourth week in a row where that's happened – And that's what was so disappointing in this game. Steelers really should have lost by 20, 30 points. And nothing that they had done, all the things they had done wrong early in the season, none of it improved. So before we bring everybody down to the morass that we, we occupy right now after watching this game two times and the second time in slow motion video, let's talk about some positives that came out of the game. And there are some, honestly, after now that I've, you know, thrashed myself in my mind and, and, and metaphysically Tomlin in my mind, you can kind of look at it with a more objective eye or, or maybe it's just rose colored glasses. But honestly, you guys, it, we're only four games in. And does that mean do I think that the Steelers can win the Super Bowl this year? You know, they don't look like that kind of team, honestly. But man. You never know. Things break. Carson Wentz got injured last year, and I know the Steelers. I know the Eagles somehow managed to win the Super Bowl without him. But we can all agree that that's the exception to the rule. And things happen to people, and uh, and the Steelers could swoop in. Let's start with this: Vance McDonald, aka the Equalizer, who had another truck stick run. He's amazing. The Juju, can crusher. the can crusher, the can crusher. Juju and Connor. All, the, all three of those guys are ballers. Those are all, you know, Vance and Connor are new offensive contributors. And Juju, he had two drops. One was a little bit more difficult than the other. But, uh, you know, I was wondering how successful he would be early in the season, adjusting to the, really the number two receiver role. And he just won't slow down, man. They put extra attention onto him, and he's a beast. So I'd say that's a big positive is you got those guys to look forward to, right? Next, A.B. is fine. A.B. is open, and he's open a lot, and when he gets the ball in his hands, he makes people miss and gets another 10 yards after every catch. If Ben can get back online with him, then we always have a chance because this is just the best cast of weapons that Ben has had, in my opinion, because you finally have you know five people who are reliable. They catch the ball all the time. It's not a Marcus Wheaton, a Martavis Bryant, a Sammy Coates situation, so – if Ben can get back online, which I think he will slowly but surely, this is always a slow start for him, then you have just serious firepower in offense and uh, and you can compete with anybody. 
the confounding thing is with those weapons, they, they all complement each other. You can go long now. You can, well, we haven't seen a whole lot of long. Well, that's but the one, bro. <laughs> technically, I mean, Washington was brought in to do that. But you have a lot of weapons in the slot, multiple weapons in the slot, AB, Juju. You can keep an off, you can keep a defense off balance with that, even without a good running game, which we obviously didn't show yesterday. Yeah, definitely. You know what you know what the running game is right now? It's Ryan Switzer, who is another big bright spot. We have a real kick returner, punt returner. You love to see that. But this guy's a real slot weapon. And he substitutes for a run game with those little passes and catches out of the backfield and little four yard hitches. That's great. You need you you know, a problem that Ben has, especially against the Ravens and a lot against the the Bengals, you know, the AFC North opponents who are familiar with him. Best thing about Ben is he wants to attack defenses. He wants to go deep. He wants to go intermediate. He wants to extend plays. So the Ravens and the Bengals usually get him in a situation where they try and take that deep stuff totally away from him and see if Ben can be patient and dink and dunk the ball down the field. Ryan Switzer, I think, is a great addition for that type of strategy. Um, and, and he had you know varied success during the games, during, during last night's game, or well, two nights ago during that game but you have the pieces and like we always talk about it with ben the greatest football player in the history of all football uh he's a rhythm qb man and and he tanked late in that game but he's gonna recover from that and he's still good before and there's some things i think that if feetner sort of improves as a play caller as well i think this this past game was a lesson for ben playing against a really good defense you're gonna learn how to sort of take what the defense gives you and if they stop having these sort of freak turnovers occur on the first or second drive which puts them in a hole because if you turn the ball over, which the Steelers have done two games in a row on one of their first two drives, it gives a short field against our defense, and that's that's doom, okay? And then you lose the ability to kind of surprise people with a run game or balance. So those I expect that to improve, and the offense will improve because they definitely have the pieces, and Ben's still got it, man. So one of the things you had tweeted out before the game is, please don't go three and out. And – I don't know. Does yeah. <laughs> three and fumble and give the ball away? Did they avoid that, or do you consider that three and out? Man, that was that literally was three and out. Yeah, that was three and out. I guess the saying really should be four and out, right? But that that yeah. or would you call that two and out? Yeah. That's, so we have a, a new segment. Um, it's it is said that you do not know a team for the first four games. Well, we have four games under our belt, and we are adding this segment. We're going to do a quarterly review. We're going to analyze who are we. Who is this team? We think we now have sufficient a sufficient sample size to assess the team and figure out who we are. No single aspect of this team is responsible for this record. But just like in every organization, it starts from the top. It does start in the top with Mike Tomlin and the coaching staff. And Brett Kiesel is actually going to come in handy here because I think he had a tweet last night or today. I'm not sure when he put it out. Um that his tweet kind of encapsulated the way I feel about this coaching staff right now. So Brett, mountain man that he is, somehow found a way to log into Twitter and send this out. He said, fantasy football killed the game we get to play. The amount of money, he actually used an, an emoji with like a smiley face with a money tongue coming out, which I thought was adorable. Uh, the amount of money generated by fantasy is too good for the league to ignore. It has changed the players too, exclamation point. They use it as a measuring stick. I'm grateful I got to play when the game still cared about defense. It is becoming obsolete. Crying face emoji. From the beard? Sad. The beard, the beard was coated in crystalline tears. Uh, just dripping off down into the to, to midfield of Heinz Field mellowing. as he watches from his helicopter above. Yeah, he's mellowing. Um, hey, so what did he say right there? He says the fantasy football killed the game we get to play. There's been a lot of talk especially this year with these weird quarterback hitting rules and with the absurd passing numbers that our people are putting up. Mitch Trubisky threw for six touchdown passes and <laughs> like a half. I mean, if you look at the stat line, this was insane. I mean, I saw six consecutive quarterbacks over 340 yesterday and like three of them were over 380, 390. So the game has changed. And Mike Tomlin and his coordinators – have not adjusted to playing defense in the new NFL. And I don't know if they've adjusted to playing offense, how much of this is them relying on superstars, but especially on the defensive side of the ball. And 
you know, they just haven't figured it out, man. And we said this before the season. They didn't do a good enough job acquiring personnel. They do six years in a row when we've drafted defensive player in the first round. Pretty much none of them have panned out. Ryan Shazier, of course, is the exception. Even he had his issues. But they they constantly draft these players who are very raw football players with great testing scores. Terrell Edmonds, another one. I mean, he was absolutely miserable last night. We'll give him a pass. It's early. But they draft these guys. They don't know how to develop them. So listen, four games in, you do have a sample size to tell what kind of identity they are. But man, the Steelers last year changed a lot after the four games. The Steelers the year before changed a lot after the four games. So this isn't a finished product yet. But my concern is that I have not seen an ounce of improvement from the defensive side of the ball. And you had a whole summer to work on this and four games. I've even seen uh, a regression. I would like to see us lose in a different way. That would even make me feel that would make me feel better that we're looking at something. But we are losing in the same way. The middle of the field is a playground for our opponents. Yeah. Absolutely. And every game there's a 12, 12 men on the field call. This is Ridiculous. you don't see high school teams doing that. And I know high school is simplified, but this is absolutely I've legitimately never seen anything like this. And maybe I haven't watched enough Browns football, but this is Browns football we're looking at right now. It's bad. So I don't want to be the the uh, the classic Yinzer overreactor who's o- overreacting to something that he sees, uh, you know, fire Tomlin after one game. But I told you guys after the Jaguars game, he officially is going on watch because he makes his teams make the same mistakes over and over again. Is and I'm particularly talking about the defensive side of the ball because you know Ben gets some blame for the offense, even though I don't want to give it to him. So. I don't think this is an overreaction, you guys. I, I think that right now, if if there isn't a major turnaround on defense, which I I don't know how there could be one, I think that Mike Tomlin either needs to get a hold of an awesome defensive coordinator and probably offensive coordinator, or he has to go, man. He's an awesome guy. I love having him as our coach. He like represents Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh football. And he is a great motivator of players, but that only goes so far, man. Like he offers no advantages schematically on either side of the ball. If you look at Andy Reid in Kansas City, anywhere he goes, or Sean Payton, where those guys go, you get offense. No matter who's playing quarterback, who's playing what, you know, the scheme, you have to prepare for that. If you look at Belichick or Harbaugh, they always have good defenses, no matter the players. There's no real schematic of advantage that the Steelers have. And I really don't think they've had one maybe a couple times with Haley, but since Dick LeBeau back in the day, they haven't had st- st- schematic advantages and you need that at a certain point. Yeah. Well, Dick was creative and even in his old age, he was still adjusting. It's insane to think we got rid of Haley who had at least a, a scintilla of originality to him. And we kept, and we have Keith Butler. I mean, with a target right on his back when there, there's absolutely no uh, creativity when something works, i.e. blitzing, uh, we pull back from it the next game. I mean, it's negligent. Like you said, it's just the negligent. same mistakes over and over again. And once again, the Ravens can convert like a third or fourth down to a tight end who doesn't have anybody covering him. I'll always go back to Keith Butler's first game and them leaving Rob Gronkowski with literally nobody on his side of the field and Brady just throws a quick screen to him and Rob Gronkowski, basically the best offensive player in the NFL, walks in the end zone. It's the same problems. It's negligent that they kept the guy and uh, I think that unless there are massive improvements, there need to be massive changes from, from the coaching staff. I do think, obviously, Tomlin is going to get this team better throughout the course of the season. That's what he does. But... We can't keep rolling like this if you want to try and win a Super Bowl before Ben. Well, uh, starts. It's, hard, it's hard to assume, obviously, but I think we flatulated on them enough. Let's uh, move on to the offense. <laughs> yeah. So the offense has an identity right now. and, and Identity and crisis. They have an identity crisis. I don't think it's a crisis. They have an identity. We just don't like it. But it will change, man. We know the offense always evolves kind of every four games. It's sort of the Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Tomlin way. But right now we have a streaky offense. One thing's consistent. 
we have not just slow, but terrible starts to both half. Whenever the games, we've gone three and out to start every single solitary game. And they might have gone three and out in every uh, second half starting possession. There's no creativity on offense. It's basically just put Ben back there, put five people around him and see if he can just wing it. And honestly, that's that's when Ben is is at his best. But I mean, you need to dial up some easy completions. We've been saying it every single week, right? They're just overly reliant on Ben going supernova and Ben himself. He's been streaky. There's been portions of this where he's been amazing early in the season. He's moving around those extra 10, you know, the 10 pounds of cheese doodles that he lost. It shows, man. He's moving in there. He's manipulating the pocket. His touchdown pass to AB was one of the nicest things I've seen all season. I mean, that's just pro Hall of Fame boy level kind of stuff. But he's inaccurate, man. And he has no deep ball yet, just like last year. And he is his disconnect with ab has now become concerning now i like i said before i think we can fix these things next you know well i already said the part about feetner doesn't create easy completions but we don't get much of a push in the run game and we don't really get a chance to use the run game because the game situations we get behind so quickly whether it's 14-0 or 21-0 so it's kind of hard to get a judge on that so those are a lot of the unfortunate things for the offense but they're very consistent it's happening every single game now for a couple little positives like we said before juju vance connor are looking awesome and and switzer's looking solid too and then you guys we're trying to look at process and not product right ab looks great i know it doesn't look like in the box score but when you rewatch these games you see him when he gets the ball in his hand you see the type of touchdown catch he made he's open he's getting the targets Ben is just missing him. When they get that calibrated, you're going to have Supernova AB back, and this offense is going to have a chance to put up some real numbers. So I think you made a good point. I mean, this year looks a lot like last year, unfortunately. Slow start. Uh, Ben needs to shake off some rust. It'll be interesting once he starts zeroing in on the long targets, whether James Washington emerges. Yeah, that's another one. We already told you, I didn't even mention James Washington earlier when we said you got AB Juju, Switz, Vance, even Jesse as a second tight end. And James Conner's been a reliable receiver. And there's a stud in the making. We saw what Washington could do in the preseason, granted against lower competition. But like we said before the season started, it took Juju about halfway through the year to get started. You know, Washington has two catches in each of the last two games. Hopefully he can get it get it going. And, and my reason for saying Ben's going to pull it together isn't just – blind love even though maybe that's some of it but it's it's this he physically looks good this isn't like when you saw peyton manning go noodle arm the guy literally couldn't throw a velocity in the ball ben is moving better than before and the velocity and the trajectory well not the trajectory right now but the velocity of his ball looks fantastic so as long as he's got the physical tools once we get the feet under us a little bit better he settles down feetner creates some completions if the steelers can just score on the damn opening drive of the next game something like that i bet you would go a long way to settling them down so i do think that they will settle down and get a lot better so moving to the other side of the ball the defense the defense is basically deaf dumb and blind we also think there is a massive <laughs> coaching problem. So I, I want LeBeau back. I don't care what anybody says. I want him back. Like, weekend at Bernie's, even if his eyes are closed, he can't talk and he has no heartbeat, I want him back on the sideline. It's an inspirational totem to the defense that once was and could be again. So, obviously, we uh, the loss of Ryan Shazier is pass critical. What is, what, is, what is the term for pass critical? That is fatal. But... Actually, I think John Bond. I, I think they're 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 sea level, and we'll we'll grade these guys later. Later, but um, but what we can't cover, there's no coverage. There's no push up front right now, so there's no in there's no imperative from the quarterback to get rid of the ball quickly, and uh, there's nothing but time back there, and he's got plenty of time to pick guys because they're open. Yeah, he does, and you know what? We've talked about this defense the past couple of years, and what Ryan Shazier provided to the defense was he he was inconsistent as well. We know many of the big runs that other teams broke were because he overpursued, but what he provided was the splash play and a consistent splash play, and he was just a wild card factor that offenses had to work around. So whenever we've talked about the Steelers the past few years, we compare them to the 
what was it, 2009 New Orleans Saints, the, the Super Bowl winning Saints team. Their defense wasn't that good. They were opportunistic, though, and they would find interceptions and they would gamble on things because, look, you're trying to get the ball back to your offense quickly. I, that's almost what I prefer, man. Jump some routes. I mean, not if you're the Steelers because you do jump the routes and they just throw it over you. But we don't have anybody in the back end with any ball skills to at least make some turnovers, create a short field for the offense. And that's what all we want is a complimentary defense. So Terrell Edmonds not drafted to be that guy. Sean Davis has shown he can't. Uh, Jay, uh, Hayden has got some good hands, but he's just not quite showing that explosion right now. So you're just seeing there's definitely been a few interceptions that people have missed already and the coaching is a disaster i mean you can't there's only a couple linebackers in the league who can really effectively carry some of these tight ends up the seam and you keep leaving them open like that and and when you're not carrying the linebackers up the seam they're trying to get the corners to cover the 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 tight ends going straight up the field and that's just impossible i mean this coaching staff with the amount of times that players are running on and off the field while the ball is already being snapped It's inexcusable. It's Keystone Cops. You know what? I'd rather have the bend-up break. And now I regret ever complaining about that defense because this is bend and break. It's bend and break. But I will say this about – and we're joking about LeBeau a little bit because LeBeau is a good – he's another good foil for Tomlin a little bit because the game passed LeBeau by as well. His whole – and he didn't do that well in Tennessee as a result, man, and now he's out of there. But – the old LeBeau rule of let them catch the five-yard pass and tackle the catch, that does not work in today's NFL anymore. You can dink and dunk people all the way down. Tomlin got rid of him, but he wasn't able to adjust. So those, uh, you know, I just I, – I, it feels like Hayward and Tuit have even regressed a little bit. Um, but it's looking – I haven't seen any improvements necessarily, although they did get a couple stops yesterday, I think mostly due to Joe Flacco missing throws. Well, actually, they had a couple of good stops with one yard to go, and that one by uh, Lamar Jackson that he felt just felt, felt short of the first down. There were a couple of goal line-like stances uh, on fourth and what the Steers held on. So that was positive, and, and they did a pretty good job on the run. We'll talk about that during the grades. But let's, let's find that sliver of positivity – with regard to the defense, no matter how hard you have to work on this. Sure. Here's Let's start it off with a backhanded compliment. Uh, Troy was really bad in his first year, and Edmonds is really bad in his first year. Missing tackles left and right. He can't cover anybody down the field. And uh, if we use the transitive property, of course, which we all know and love, uh, Troy was bad in his first year. Edmonds bad. Edmonds is going to be a Hall of Fame player Ipso next year. Ipso facto, H-O-F. Ipso exactly. facto. Edmonds worries me because Edmonds is is Bud Dupree part two. He's already Burns. He's Sean Davis. He's a high athletic player who is raw. So he worries me. But he flashed a lot in the preseason and more than those guys did in their first season. So, you know, maybe that's not positive now, but hopefully later in the season he can kind of lock it down a little bit. And I'll say this. TJ Watt, huge expectations for TJ, obviously first round pick last year. We've talked about that all damn year long. Everybody talks about TJ and his promise. I'll say this. He's not getting to the quarterback, but he is at least showing some promise because he actually uses pass rush moves. He uses spins, he uses knocks, he uses speed to power, all kinds of stuff like that. And, uh, and don't forget, he missed all of training camp. So one month of the season is done now. Now he basically finally got his training camp going, and I think that you could see him heat up a little bit more as the season goes on. And I guess the last thing I'll put here, I had a note here. This is sort of the uh, the shooting star that everybody's hoping for, but Matthew Thomas, the undrafted speedster inside linebacker, got some first-team reps this week during practice. He didn't really get much, much uh, go during the game, but – you know, maybe he'll be able to come down the pipeline as the season goes on. And so you got some guys that you can look forward to. And, and hopefully Hayden comes – or um, not Hayden, uh, Hilton comes back soon. And obviously that will be a big help. I think that's the fallacy, the the factor you don't know. We're just hopeful. He hasn't shown himself to, to be a uh, deficient player, so we're hopeful he'll be an excellent player. And I have to say, I think I've lost I've lost faith in, faith in Artie. He's had enough time in the saddle. Uh, I don't know if you move on, but I uh, – definitely second tier guy so yeah i mean we'll see but 
he's I mean, Artie, I can't help but laugh when I think about Artie and how bad he is. And I also can't help but laughing when someone asks us how we're betting on games for the upcoming week. I mean, we spend hours upon hours studying the Steelers. And with all of our study, we still don't know if the team is going to win, let alone we don't know anything about the point spread. I mean, but here's something that we are confident in. My bookie. My bookie offers betters in all major markets an entertaining lineup of gaming options. They've got a unique, they've got unique prop bets that you won't find anywhere else, which is a huge plus for you fantasy fanatics. That's you, Papa Tom. Rather than having to rely on a whole team to perform in order to win, you can choose just one player to bet to perform or underperform. So you fantasy sports lovers will have an edge when betting on the game within the game. Take advantage of the live in-game betting on over-unders on the fantasy points scored. They offer a plethora, a plethora, I say, of major bonuses, including welcome offers, reloads, and cashbacks. Hey, tell me, answer me this. Would you say that there is a plethora of pinatas if, in fact, there was not a plethora? I confirm this. There are a plethora of choices. Okay, you heard it right from the man's mouth. You'll find sports book promotions and casino rewards and a huge variety of different value-added programs that should cater to most betters' preferences. MyBookie has a great mobile site, seriously, they do, that is easy to use with a sleek design that offers easy navigation. This is a company whose customer service you can actually access. This is 21st century stuff here, ladies and gentlemen. You can actually talk to people with a phone call or a callback request or even the online chat. A lot of different ways to get a hold of them. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. So just take advantage of a couple of these generous bonus options. If you make a deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional 25 bucks free play on deposits over 100 bucks. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code OUTPOST25. OUTPOST25. Outpost 25 to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag online today and don't forget to use the promo code Outpost 25. Outpost 25. Outpost 25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. You play, you win, you get paid. Whew. Exhausted. Move through that. I'm invigorated. Now Let's it's go put time some money down. The, well, we did put some money down this weekend. I wish we, we didn't. Won <laughs> and we lost. I I made several bets. Uh, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn. Play, and there's a lot to learn about. The you Steelers. lose, you don't get paid. <laughs> well, I will say I did. I did win. I did win. I won enough to keep us in the game. But my uh, religious fanaticism for the Steelers prevented me from um, capitalizing as I had hoped. Yeah. So absolutely. anyway, let's move into the favorite segment of the Steelers Outpost podcast, and that are our grades. And we'll start with the offense and the most the the tip of the spear. Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, we're giving him an A+. Plus. I mean, he's the best quarterback ever. Just move on. We're going with Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, man. Don't make me do this, man. He. This is your job right uh, now. This is not it, your emotional was, little was, kid thing. It, it, it was. I, it should always be a little kid when it comes to the God Just himself of football. Just well, listen. It. Look, Ben played decent in the first half. He had some misses, but he had some nice plays. I think that, that shot to Juju was in the first uh, was in the first half. You really wish Juju could have held on to that. It was a gorgeous play, but it was a nice play by the defensive back. Obviously, amazing pass to AB and took some things that they gave him. And, and he was decent in the first half, but man, he is so up and down right now. And he just had a mental break in the second, and he was abysmal. Uh, we talked about this when they played the Browns when he had the five turnovers. I compared it to the Jaguars game when he had the five turnovers, and I said, that's not the worst I've seen him play. The worst... You know, there are probably some ones from the first half of his career that I'm having trouble remembering at this point. But the, the last one I remember that was horrible was uh, one of the games against the Ravens where he had recently gotten injured against the Dolphins. And then he missed the Patriots game the following week and Landry Jones played and we should have beat him and we didn't. And then Ben came back a week too early and played the worst game I've ever seen against the Ravens where he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. This second half was was closer to that i mean he he was not good in the second half and the a b issues with their connectivity you may have network connectivity problems with the greatest receiver in the game uh, those issues are significant now i will tell you i do think they can fix them but they're this is not good right now and they need to get on track ben i mean he has so much more talent he's better than this we got to give him a d plus 
boss. So let's move on to the player we love to love, James Conner. Everybody loves him, and he doesn't get much opportunities. Like we said before, the game kind of dictates this. Not a lot of opportunities. I'll say that, um, you know, he's running really hard. Offensive line isn't helping a ton, and he doesn't get the ball a lot. But he is good with the assignments and pass blocking now. I like to see that he's actually generally picking up the right guy who's coming through the hole and helping Ben. But he needs to stop giving so much ground when he picks up guys on the blitz. He picks them up, and he kind of goes backwards and holds on for dear life, whereas – you know, you don't want to keep comparing him to Le'Veon Bell, but Lev is the gold standard for a blocking running back. And I think Connor can get to a, a, a similar level. You know, when Lev hits him, they go backwards. So he needs to improve with that. Um, and, and maybe it would have been cool to just see him pop some sort of huge play in that game. So we're going to give James a B minus. B minus. Moving on to wide receivers. I think uh, we've got a, we, we don't have the sample size we'd like. Let's, let's grade them on what, they, uh, what their opportunities were. And there were some opportunities. There were, man, and Ben was missing them. I mean, the worst one in the whole game was the third and 12, where A.B. was wide open on a dig route. A.B. went about 12 to 15 yards downfield, cut in, and he had nothing but green grass. I'm not saying he wouldn't have scored, but he would have gotten some serious yardage, and Ben just threw it behind him, man. It was horrific. So there was a lot more to be had. I'll say this. Juju had a bad drop on the sideline, and then he had a tougher drop in the end zone. People are kind of going back and forth on this. Ben threw a gorgeous strike after buying a lot of time. I mean, another uh, alarming uh, you know, thing. Ben's got to get comfortable with the timing plays instead of just the Sandlot stuff. But it was a Sandlot play, and he threw a strike to Juju up in the end zone. And I forget which – I think it was Brandon Carr for the Ravens. Timed it up really nicely, and right when it got into Juju's hands, Brandon Carr punched it out. But, you know, it was in between both his hands. It would have been nice to see him catch that, um, and that would have been a, a game changer, honestly. So we're going to give them a grade of A. So let's move on to tight end. And uh, specifically, you know, Jesse's still in the game. He had a minor role in there. But it is Vince the Can Crusher who is on display in this game. Vance, the can crusher. Vince on defense isn't crushing many cans, but we do love him. Yeah, Vince is the initiator. That was such an awesome view. They showed uh, the, the view that we like so much where they give you the sky cam behind the quarterback. You saw the blitz come at Ben. He read the field, tossed it over the middle to, to Vance, the can crusher, a.k.a. the initiator, a.k.a. big arm, a.k.a. strong man. And he broke two tackles and rumbled and dragged people like you were watching Little Giants and ignited the crowd. And with a with a just a, an eruption of a yell from his gigantic jaw, hyped everybody up, including AP. Uh, gorgeous. Man, he is such a weapon. He can really run after the catch. He only had 62 yards or something like that, but he had a really good game. Only thing is, man. Third play of the game, he catches the ball. It's not going to be a first down, but you cannot get stripped by Jefferson on that. It was a nice strip by Jefferson, but you are literally twice the size of this man. Hold on to the ball. That's as bad as Ben throwing an interception You know, on, on, on one of those first drives. It's basically what you did is hand the ball to the other team. But overall, man, he's an impact player, and he can block. He gets a grade of A. I mean, my gosh, he's like the Colossus of Rhodes. Look it up. Nobody should be able to strip anything from him. Look it up. Offensive line, we have a worry here. Where the offensive line has been uh, has been excellent actually over the last two years, we seem to have sprung a leak on the left side. Yeah, Villy is worrying me, man. Terrell Suggs was kind of beating up on him a little bit, but you know, uh, some people I think they get an unrealistic expectation of Villanueva. He does give up pressures, man, and, and I think he also improves over the course of a season. This same thing happened last year. Um, but I'm, I'm very nervous when he has to go against Carl Lawson in a couple weeks because that guy has his number. But, uh, yeah, I, there was there was definitely a lot of pressure with four-man rushes, and they were getting confused on some stunts here or there from the Baltimore Ravens. But overall, they only gave up, I think, one sack, too. Yeah. I think it was one sack. Right. Um, it's just a little – it's a little bit of a bummer that they have no run game push uh, all season. I haven't really seen much in that, which now is a two-season problem. I mean, we pointed that out with Le'Veon's kind of subpar season for his standards last year. There's not quite the push. And we wondered, is this because of Le'Veon's dancing? Well, you got a guy who doesn't dance even for an instant now. So I don't know what's going on. Uh, but still, they let Ben throw the ball. We're going to give him a grade of C. C. 
So let's uh, let's wrap this up by analyzing the offense coordinator, the feet it, master. Yeah, the feet master. It's hard. It's it is still a little tricky to get a read on him through the first four games because all these game situations dictate we just need to go to the air to keep up. But I just don't see him set up plays. I don't see him run fake versions of, you know, set them up with a particular play all game long and then hit another one. You know, Todd Haley was so good with those fake screens and then hitting the guy up the seam. We don't see much of those. All the creative shovel passes, stuff like that. We're He did throw a couple of nice things in there, but this strategy of just letting your homie Ben get in the shotgun, spreading guys out and telling them all to run hitch patterns and hope for the best, this is not going to work anymore. You know, also it's telling that Eric Weddle, the safety for the Baltimore Ravens, after the game said he well he credited the baltimore dc for being ahead of the steelers very telling man they, they it seems to happen a lot and then there's just some he he's got this haley was great man he did a lot of great things but it was okay that they ran him out of town because his brain farts were inexcusable you know everyone wants to talk about the favorite play which is the toss sweep against the jaguars in the playoffs on fourth and one well the fee master does the same thing on second and 20, he runs the ball. It's ridiculous, especially you have no success running it. This team and Ben, traditionally, second and 20 isn't as big of a deal for them as it is for other teams, and you're just conceding it. Always throwing screens on like the, on, on third down, especially the screen pass he threw, on, he threw on third and three when everyone's going to be in press coverage. So he has a lot of brain farts, and just I don't see any creativity yet. Um, I know it's situational, but we're giving him a graded D. D. Let's move to the other side of the ball. And I spent my entire lunch hour plus the rest of my afternoon, I have to take that off as vacation, analyzing the defensive plays. found it very interesting that um, some people were saying we weren't blitzing a lot. I actually saw that we blitzed seven times. And I thought that was effective during uh, the Tampa Bay game. Not that Flacco wouldn't have completed more passes, but it, the four-man rush wasn't working anyway. So... When I looked at it, we rushed uh, four guys 28 times, and they got an average of seven and a half yards. We rushed three guys five times, and they got an average of seven yards. When, ah. we, rushed, when we rushed five guys, they got an average of 14 yards. Now, mm-hmm. if you discount the 71-yard touchdown or a pass to Brown, John Brown, we're yeah. back at seven yards again. When we blitzed, they were getting five <laughs> yards a pass. And that, you have to take out the 71-yard uh, pass to Brown. But I don't know why uh, there wasn't a judicious use of uh, more blitzing because nothing else was working. What the hell did you have to lose? So if you look at Flacco's passing chart, he destroyed us from 0 to 10 yards, which is our MO. 169 yards on 16, on 16 passes. So I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. You know that the uh, middle of the field is a garden. It's a garden where you could actually harvest wheat yes. over the course of an entire fall season, a spring and fall. You could harvest right. it. You could bake bread. And the Steelers still will be bringing their 12th man onto the field. Yeah. That's a guarantee. So let's look at the defensive line. And I, you know, typically when I watch the defense, I'm still looking at the outside linebackers because I'm just fascinated by Bud Dupree. But the defensive line is where my focus was today. And, you know, they were not getting to, to Flacco, certainly, but they weren't rushing. <laughs> they weren't rushing a lot. There was no, no surprises for Flacco. There were very few, you know, seven blitzes. Uh, there were very few surprises. Cam, Cam Hayward, I, I, you know, he's kind of, he's not non-existent, but he is getting double teamed. But we do not have a, uh, an explosive Captain America, the twisting, bending, James Harrison, like, well, not James Harrison, but... We are not getting to the quarterback from the defensive line perspective. And they're not plugging holes the way they should be. So, please, Nicholas, you have a Yeah, uh, Cam, uh, I mean, you're right. I mean, they're giving a lot of attention to Cam because they know that he's the only guy on the defense who could do things. But he was breaking through those double teams last year, and I don't know what's going on this year. I'll say this, is that um, the the Ravens constantly used max protect. I mean, getting five, six, even seven yeah. guys back there to protect. So you can't get through that. And that uh, says a little something about the defensive backs, which I guess we'll get into uh, in a few, in a minute here. Yeah. So you, uh, you made a judicious you use of your defensive line. You were only using four guys. Most of the time we are giving the defensive line a grade of C. C. So 
moving to the inside linebackers, again, you know, if you, when you think about the running game, you think about a few gash runs by Alex, Call, uh, Alex Collins and Javorius Allen, but they only gained 3.2 yards per, for, per carry. So I thought that they, they plug up the holes pretty well there. There's a little difficulty sometimes on the end contain, but you really can't complain about that yardage. But it is, again, they're the tenders of the garden. They're actually, they should have size where they're slashing down the grains in the middle of the garden, but instead they're tending them and making sure things grow offensively in the middle of the field. Yes. I don't have much to add on that. I mean, they're average players. That's where we're getting there. Had a couple nice open field tackles. Vince had a nice stop on third and one. Bossick had a nice tackle in the open field, but it's sad that that's when I get excited. It was when they make a tackle that they should make, you know? Right, so we're giving the inside linebackers a C. C. Moving to the outside linebackers, who are essentially our edge rushers. Sometimes they back into the uh, back into coverage, and at, at times uh, they ask TJ Watch to watch a, a wide receiver. Again, uh, you look at the running the runs per per down. It's three point two. It's it's, a, it's fine. It's good. It's actually uh, what you want. But it is about coverage, and it's about getting to the quarterback, and that's not happening. Bud had a nice sack. Again, unimpeded, he, he, he was opportunistic yeah. and found a hole, and he got there. No complaints, because if he missed it, he'd be all over his back. He did what he had to do in that play, but he is pushing nobody back. He just gets nope. consumed. He gets consumed by the, by the tackle, and he's non-existent. The, the times he tra- his big move is the question mark. The yeah. long 47-mile walk around the mountain where he just gets a hand out there and uh, is ineffective. And yeah, frankly, he's got no... He's got no bend and he's got no counter moves. He just he he's he definitely is what he is, and we told you guys that before the season, and that hasn't ended. I'll say this for a positive about Bud though: he only gets sacks when they put him on a stunt, which is to say, like instead of just running at the you know running uh, past the guy in front of you, you kind of loop around and, and hit somewhere else and try and confuse the defensive line and or offensive line. And uh, you don't like to see that from a first round player because those guys are supposed to be able to win one-on-one matchups there might be other lesser players who you could put into those stunting roles to get the sacks but he is a good weapon as far as that goes and i'm sure he'll get to his eight sacks by the end of the year so i'll take that as a positive um we already talked about tj a little bit earlier he, he showed a lot of moves but didn't really get to the quarterback but he, he is improving in terms of those moves um i'll just say this I've only seen uh, an edge rusher for the Steelers beat his man two times this whole season. In the first game, when TJ broke through the tackle and the running back to sack Tyrod Taylor, and then I believe last game, I think it was the Bucks when uh, Chicolo actually burst through two guys. Other than that, all the sacks have been hustle sacks. So we give the outside linebackers a C. C. Let's move on to the defensive backs. I'm going to lump lump everybody into this category because you just never know who blew the coverage, who was supposed to be over top. But I do want to break out Sean Davis momentarily. I won't give him a separate grade. I thought he's actually tackling. He may be be not his natural position. But look, he is far from the worst guy on the defense right now. And he had a couple – he had a nice blitz on on one play. But the defensive backs, you guys, you fans, you listeners, fill in the blank. What happened in that game? Guys were open. Guys were open over the top. There was faulty tackling, and um, I don't have anything good to say about them. I mean, the first touchdown was the worst. The guy was basically double covered. I mean, I think it was actually Hayden's responsibility. I think it was John Brown streaking down the right side. He had two guys running after John Brown six, seven yards behind the guy for just the easy lob touchdown. Obviously, they threw a 71-yarder to John Brown as well where – uh, Terrell Edmonds was barely even in frame. And I know John Brown's a fast guy, but he's it's not exactly Odell Beckham Jr. out there, right? Yeah. And then also, I mean, Flacco bails you out constantly, and he threw a couple moon balls on third down to, like, guys running 10-yard patterns where you should be able to get up in the air and knock it down. And these defensive backs, particularly Artie and Sensabaugh, they don't even locate the ball. They don't even know when it's coming down. They're just sort of devoid of talent. So I hope Cameron Sutton gets some more burn in these games because we might as well see what we have with him and give him a chance to develop because these guys can't play the ball. And honestly, Flacco and the Ravens had a game plan to pick on Hayden all day. And he had a good player too, but uh, I don't know if his hamstring's still bothering him or obviously John Brown's not a great matchup for Hayden who doesn't have quite the speed he had when he was younger. But Hayden uh, probably had his worst game 
uh, on Sunday. And he did they're, have some nice plays. Really bad. Nice coverage when he on a couple of plays. So we are giving the DBs a D minus. D minus. Let's move quickly on to the special teams and let's just acknowledge that the sigh of relief Steelers Nation is breathing right now because Chris Boswell yeah. split the uprights on two separate occasions. Yeah, Boz looked, I mean, those kicks looked nice. They were short, they were under 40 yards, but it is nice to see him kick right through the uprights like that. Barry, Barry's up and down. I mean, once again, he punted out of our own zone to the other team's 40. So he's just struggling with those long distance punts. And I think he punted one down to the 19 as well. This is one inside the 20. So you'd like to see him do a little bit better job than that. I mean, he's just, he's mediocre. Switzer didn't have a lot of room to run, but like I said, like having him back there. And he did have a, 35-yard kick return at one point, which is pretty nice. Yeah, you're confident. I mean, the way the game's set up and the distances don't allow these returners to do much, but when he does, he he looks he looks way more than confident. He looks like that was what he was trained to do. And I will say, Jordan Berry, he doesn't flip the field. He doesn't have the ridiculous 60-yard punch, but he had an average of 41, which brings us to our conclusion. We didn't grade the special teams, but I'll give them a B. Yeah. So we're moving on to the head coach, Mike Tomlin. Here's my problem. I'm going to make this really brief because we've sort of stated this point over and over again. During that game, I saw zero improvement in any facet of the game. I'm not exaggerating. What are the good parts of the game? Ben had a couple beautiful throws. We've seen that before. Vance had a couple nice rumbles. We've seen that before. You know, AB obviously had a gorgeous play. Juju played well. We've seen those things before. The defensive miscommunication, the defensive penchant, to give up long touchdowns and long plays. The offensive free fall in the second half, scoring zero points again in the second half for two games in a row, which hasn't happened in like a millennia. And then the stat, <laughs> the last three Steelers home games, the Steelers have been score- outscored in the first quarter 59-0. to zero. Oh We're not seeing any improvement. I expect to see improvement. And you better bet that they will. And hopefully they can have some health with them. And, you know, this Le'Veon Bell thing we joke about, um, you know, I almost could care less. I mean, obviously, would they be better if he was on the team right now? I mean, of course, man. You see the difference between any of these wins and losses? You can make that argument with Connor's fumble in the first week. But, uh, you know, no improvement thus so far this season. You're going to have to see something give. There's, they're going to be hyped because they know they're playing for their lives next week against Atlanta. 0.0 Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, Blutowski. So we really appreciate you listening to our show. We're getting feedback. D. D. Right. Minus. D. Minus. <laughs> we love that you guys are listening to the show. It's flattering, and thanks for, for the comments and the compliments and the feedback. And uh, again, I would just remind everybody, Frank V was the one who alerted us to a technical problem, which we uh, remedied last week. Uh, if you hear anything, please give us some feedback. We'd like to improve this show. We're trying to do it every week and make it as entertaining and as informative as possible. So you have several venues for offering us that feedback. And as you know, let's do it together. Everybody, hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the website at SteelersOutpost.com or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. The sky is not falling yet, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next week. Beat the Falcons. Let's go steal men. Okay, bye-bye. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.